Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Hello and welcome to Season 30, Episode 16 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. My name is Kurt. I'm Nick. Dear Lord, season 30. <laughs> Great. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. All right. And in today's episode, Edward asks what a traditional TTRPG is. Sean asks about designing games with accessibility in mind. And Michael disagrees with us about GMs taking stuff away. Well, Michael's wrong. <laughs> I disagree. Obviously. <laughs> so if you'd like to contribute a topic or question to the show, email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Blurb. Blurb. All right. That's a callback. <laughs> All right. Um, announcements. Okay. We have a very specific announcement this week. Hang in there. Um, so I'm getting sound production lessons from a very good friend, um, Wes, who's over at 12 Sided Stories. He's teaching me how to actually process audio for our podcasts, which is great because I've learned previously from YouTube videos, many of which are bullshit I have learned since then. <laughs> I, I don't know that they're necessarily bullshit. I think they're more horseshit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, so if you listen to our shows uh, in podcast form, you may notice some changes over the next few weeks. There might be a little bit of a, a learning curve there, um, but the overall quality should go up. So thank you, Wes, so much for being patient and thanks for teaching me. Um, and yeah, and it, I've learned that I've been really fucking up our sound. <laughs> so we have all this great equipment. Our our the stuff we record is super great, and then I get it and I process it and make it into actual horseshit, <laughs> which I then release onto our our podcast RSS feed. So thank infinite you for infinite monkeys there. streaming infinite podcasts. We'll yeah. eventually end up with yeah. a listenable product. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, just another small little plug. Check out Wes on Plate Mail Games, mm -hmm. and I believe his stuff is also up on Battle Bar. Yes. So he actually okay. is a professional sound person. Um, I don't know the specific title. There's a lot of different yeah. titles in the industry with the soundies. Um, but yes, if you want awesome music for your game, soundies is a thing. Stop laughing at yeah. me, Kurt. Um, but uh, yeah, he makes incredible sound and like ambient music and stuff for your games that you can use. So. Hey, kid, you look like you're going to be great in the soundies. Yeah, the soundies. <laughs> I'm, I, and, and Kimmy, please, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing toward you. <laughs> in my laughing in my general direction. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, go check out Wes. Preposition. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, so hang in there. It will get better. It actually doesn't sound terrible right now, except if you're like an audio engineer and you're like, what is this? No. So yes. We're okay. sorry, Jake. <laughs> it's fine. It's Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> Jake is I figured, but, but <laughs> yeah. you got that line. You gotta, you gotta jump on it. That's fair. That's fair. Yes. All right. That's it. That's 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 all the announcements. So, all right. cool. first email. 
Anyone want to read this I'll one? Take it. I'll take it's it. It's a long one. <laughs> I'll take it. It's okay. a long one, and I know the guy. Okay, go for it. All right. To Captain Kimmy and the crew of the Happy Jacks podcast, your continuing mission to explore strange new games, to seek out and inspire new players and new game masters, and to boldly discuss topics that have probably been discussed before. Yeah. Yeah. And to boldly split infinitives. Um, greetings and salutations. This is Edward from SoCal, a longtime listener since season one and technically first time writer. Hi, Ed. Your hey. wish came true. <laughs> I, take, I say technically because while this is my first email, I have been on your show before, a couple of times at Strategicon and a couple of times in the actual studio. To those jackers with the Ren Fair background, yes, it's that Edward who used to perform at Fair and sometimes hung out with the Reef crew. Other jackers might remember me as the guy who helped run the Dying Kingdoms LARP for a stretch. Now, here's the thing. He hasn't been in this studio. No, he So I think that, that we got to take away those those uh, bona fides. I mean, uh, I hadn't been in this studio. Yeah, but, but you're here now, which means oh, yeah, you, you, you got a leg up on him. Yeah. yeah, that's right. The last time I was in this studio, it was over there. Mm -hmm. And none of this was here. No. <laughs> that was back when we were doing, like, interviews with people. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it was a while ago. Uh, while listening to the podcast, usually in my car while driving, I have often found myself pondering what my answers or input on various topics would be. I haven't written in with my thoughts before because they are, for the most part, less discussion starting and more myself mentally pontificating to an imagined audience. However, this time and in response to your recent request for emails, I actually do have a question slash topic for you. All and right. potentially a second, a tangential question slash topic in my own response to the first. This is a meta question. <laughs> this was inspired by a question Ali Venable asked when she was on the last was when she was first on last season. Stork had mentioned traditional games in response to an email, and Ali asked him what a what is a traditional RPG? Stork gave a quick answer that I honestly don't remember right now, but I'm but now I'm posing that question to you, I'm assuming is what he meant here. In your opinions, what elements make a game more traditional versus modern slash hippie? Obviously, this is not an either-or situation. All elements of game and system design are on spectra, and we heartily eschew any restrictive binary definitions in this house. In this house? Okay. This house. This is my house. A quick pause in case anyone wants to <laughs> no, chime in. No, literally, it's my house. It's <laughs> I, it's I, my I, house. I'm <laughs> a quick pause in case anyone wants to chime in with a response before presenting mine. Too late. We've already done so. Uh, <laughs> does anyone have a, a quick and dirty definition of a traditional versus a modern game? I think it's important to hear like what he says first, okay. and then we can kind of build on it. All right. In my opinion, the biggest factor that makes games feel traditional versus modern is how much characterization is integrated with the mechanics of the game. Characterization is my fa fancy actor-sounding word I like using in place of R-O-L-E playing, mainly to avoid me having to spell it. In your traditional D&D style game, it doesn't matter if my character is brutally attacking their foe in a vengeful rage or nimbly dancing around in a duel, hoping to charm those watching. Heck, it doesn't matter if I just say, I attack the bandit with my sword. The mechanics of the game are unaffected. Roll that d20, add your bonuses, does it beat the AC? Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, you have games like Lighthearted, where the emotional state of my character directly affects which dice I use. 
or Great American Witch, where it's the motivation of the character that determines wit what you're adding to the role, not the action you take. In the aforementioned Attacking the Bandit, is my character protecting innocence? Then it's mercy. Am I exacting righteous vengeance upon the wicked? I use severity. Modifius's new Dune RPG also determines your target number based on your skill and drive, drive being one of five motivations, power, truth, justice, faith, and duty. There are also mechanics in game that encourage uh, no, sorry. There are also mechanics in game that encourage characterization without it being directly integrated into the mechanics. The inspiration die for D&D 5e, or otherwise receiving bennies for good role-playing. Alternately, there are optional rules that you choose to take on a that you choose to take on a mechanical effect to your character. I'm referring to things like White Wolf's merits and flaws, or advantages, disadvantages. Say I've decided my character has a short temper. I could just play them as such, but perhaps I want to impose an actual mechanical disadvantage when my character is trying to remain calm. So I what? So I put the short temper, <laughs> hot-headed flaw, disadvantage, etc. Uh, these still feel more on the traditional side of the tracks than not. And now he gets now he side rails into the second topic. So I think this is the point where. Either we finish the email or we discuss yeah, it. Finish the point. email and then we'll All right, about. cool. And within my response is another topic. With games that are integrating characterization into their mechanics, which ones do you feel work best so far? I know a lot of you are fans of the PBTA hacks. Are there mechanics characterization blends that haven't worked so well for you? I'm looking at you, FFG Legend of the Five Rings. <laughs> I remember listening to the actual play on that one and thinking... Yes, the strife mechanic is kind of neat, but can't we just make a perception roll without having to without risking losing face? Are there times when maybe you don't want to have to delve deep into your character's motivations and just want to play? I can see old school game developers after having to come up with mechanics for combat, stealth, magic and so on, maybe didn't want to create mechanics for the one thing they didn't have to, i.e. how you play your character. But then you also discussed how having restrictions to your character often helps inspire creativity that otherwise wouldn't be there. There's a lot of nuance and opinions that can be touched upon, including your own personal definition of what traditional means. I hope this email spurs a bountiful discussion. From one of your original fans, Edward Mithrin on the Discord. P.S. Insert, insert classical Star Trek end credits theme. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. That's the opening thing. Well, that's tough. <laughs> See, I, <laughs> I watch I watch on Netflix, so I only hear the opening credits because mm -hmm. they switch to the new episode. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Not true. I actually watched the original. I've, I've seen maybe three episodes of the original series, and I know this better than you do. This is weird. <laughs> I think it's both in fine. It's all right. All right. Anyway, you don't have to um actually. <laughs> oh no, I actually do. It's no, a biological imperative. Yeah, true. <laughs> very true. <laughs> Y'all have met me. Uh. So okay, so traditional game, mm -hmm. and I think this is one of those things that nobody's ever going to completely agree on. Nope. Like, there's never going to be like the definition for this. I think it's very different for each person, and I think it depends on what you've played. Mm -hmm. But it's still one of those terms, like indie game, that we throw around all the time. Even though nobody has a shared definition of that yet either. Nope. <laughs> it's like pornography. You know it when you see it. 
kind of, except some people <laughs> see it differently. I mean, I, I, I said it as a joke, but it it actually isn't. I mean, it one, it wasn't funny. Two, um, <laughs> it really does. I mean, it, it really yeah, harps on the, your, your, your comment about, you know, it also depends on what you've played. Yeah. Like, the first game I ever like played. Pornography. <laughs> like pornography. Like, that wasn't a terrible thing. Like, 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 that's legit. Some people will look at something and be like, oh, that's very pornographic. And someone will be like. It's artistic. Dude, that's Tuesday. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's. Okay, so, I mean, the first. I've been doing Tuesdays wrong. That's all I got to Tuesday's my game day. <laughs> well. Uh Anyway. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's all linked together yeah, the, and subjective. The, the, the first first tabletop RPG I ever played was Vampire the Masquerade. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had, of course, heard of D&D. &D. I just had never played it. The first one I was ever offered to play was Robotech. Oh, wow. Or, or MechWarrior. MechWarrior, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, these are... Are, are those traditional games? They've yes. been around for a very long time. Um, but not as long as D and D. Right. Traveler's been around for almost as long as D and D. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, at this point, what uh, the the whole storyteller system has been around for thirty one years. So, does that make it traditional? It, does age make it traditional? I don't know. <laughs> According to certain people, it does. But we'll steer clear of that topic. Uh, <laughs> um, I feel like there's like. Elements to a game that give a traditional vibe, but again, this is just like my perception of it. Like, generally, if it if it's uh, like very based on like like table combat, that tends to feel very traditional to me. Um, again, yeah. that's very subjective, but like like uh, D and D like came basically like from war game from the the tabletop war gaming yeah. world, right? So I feel like that's kind of the the foundation that a lot of games that I think of as traditional are built on. Um, even though a lot of them can be played with theater of the mind, you don't have to have a mat to actually play them. They were mm -hmm. designed yeah. to be played on a mat. Um, like Traveler, I've never actually played it on a map, but like are, they're actually like hexes and stuff if you wanted to actually yeah. lay out the mat and be like, this is space travel, right? Yeah, no, I, you, you... I, I, I actually I don't think it really has to do with with that. Mm -hmm. I think it has to do mainly with uh, the topic that was brought up here is that traditional almost always means there are rules. You know what? Actually, as I as I narrow this down in my head, I think that the difference is a categorization between gaming and improv on there. And so a traditional game will have a whole set of rules about what you do, how you make the attack, how you move, how you do whatever, but has no information on what your motivation is or how your character acts and anything you add on there is extra. But other but non-traditional games often mm -hmm. uh have a have a change in how they want to like they they want you to interact more with your character and less so with the mechanics of how the world works. It's more important to be in touch with how and who your character is as opposed to in a lot of the traditional games where that all gets left behind. To use Dungeons & Dragons as an example, the the big classic spells that everyone knows or used to because they're phasing them out, but those are based off of people who made like 
dumb jokes and spelled their name backwards or or <laughs> used well i'm a male elf so my character's name is melf you know to to I do that tiktok video too <laughs> to do all that stuff so like that There's obviously literally had a, a spell with that name yeah melf sassadero oh my god uh, but uh, but all of that like to me that's that's a hallmark of a traditional more traditional game okay so then is traveler traditional I would say yes, because building on that, and please tell me where and specifically how I'm wrong. Um, if the mechanics, more content, more content. <laughs> if the mechanics are the focus to the point where you can optimize mechanics, hmm. that is a traditional a traditional game. Yeah, but you can optimize mechanics in say a PBTA yeah. hack. How? But by selecting where you're going to put your plus two and what options yeah. and what moves you take to optimize what, what you want to do. Like, oh, my cunning sucks, so I'm going to take this thing that lets me use bravery instead of cunning, and you optimize your interactions that way. Yeah. Okay. You, you have both played far more Powered by the Apocalypse than I have, so I will defer to that. Yeah. It, it It's generally not as imbalanced, but it can be. My pushback is uh, Traveler specifically has one of the best character creation setups ever, and it adds a ton to your backstory yeah. and to your role-playing and your character. But it doesn't enforce any of that. That's it doesn't, true. Like, just, oh. just because we said, and I, I'm using enforce mm -hmm. in a loose manner, mm -hmm. because technically the PBTA stuff doesn't enforce the things you said at the beginning to establish relationships between your character, except that the focus on the game, because the mechanics are so simple... It lets you focus on the interaction, whereas Traveler has no reward or punishment mm -hmm. for saying, cool, uh, we met on this spaceship one time, and the other person goes, yep, sounds good to me. Well, you do get some uh, like pluses and stuff like that. It does impact your skills and your abilities slightly. Right, but the story doesn't. Right, yeah. Like So, so if I say... If it says, oh, you have a... I know there's something that's like you have a connection with another player, yeah. and I look at you and I go... Uh, we shared a drink at a bar and got in a bar fight, and you go, "Yep, sounds good to me." Then we never ever have to talk about that again. Yeah, and we uh, and we get the plus one. That's true. Okay, I get that. Yeah, yeah I, uh, and and similarly, um, going back to uh, White Wolf, in you have at least in the the original the the what are they calling it now? The Onyx Path. Mm -hmm. um, you have nature and demeanor, or you have vice and virtue, or you have you know whichever it is, you know. But these these inform your gameplay, but you also do get a mechanical benefit when you uh, when you apply that to your gameplay. But it's usually relatively minor. Yeah. Um, does does so. the, does that make those sort of the first non traditional game? I'm sure that the people who wrote it would like to think so. <laughs> Um, and I can't remember his name, their, their names off the top of my head, but I'm sure that they would, because that is, they were very much trying to write something that was not D&D. Right. So, um, well, so it, their intent was to not be traditional. They, I think at the time they probably succeeded. And now just, we have a, a, a wider spectrum, a longer lens yeah. right. to see. Um, for me, I think traditional, like like going back to kind of what I was talking about with the map, I think uh, someone in the chat mentioned the word uh, like simulationist. Yeah. Okay. Gamers versus simulationists. Yeah. Yeah. That that spectrum. Yeah, I think simulationist seems to be kind of where the original like 
start of TTRPGs was, and from that we've kind of grown and like branched out, and now there's lots of different options. Yeah, I've seen the 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 sort of spectrum from from simulationist to abstractist. Um, so uh, Shadowrun is incredibly simulationist. That there's specific mechanics for what type of ammo you're using yeah. in your whatever. GURPS is the same. GURPS Tra is the same, but you can ignore it. Well, yes, but it's meant to be very simulationist yeah. if you want to be. Um, um, Traveler has a lot of it's yes, very sci space yes. sci-fi made up simulationist. Yes, but but it know. is it, it 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 to go back to a really old argument. It's very crunchy. Yes. Um, PBTA, very abstractist. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's you, you, and, and many of the hacks that I've seen, uh, many of the skins that I've seen have essentially taken, you know, you have five stats and, you know, maybe they're, the five stats are moxie, chutzpah, um, uh, uh, a certain je ne sais quoi or and whatever. And the cut of your jib. And the cut of your jib. Exactly. Right. It's like, how, how. How do I how do I apply that to unlocking this door, <laughs> right? You could apply any of them theoretically, right? And, well, that's fate. <laughs> well, yeah, fate's like fate is is the ultimate. <laughs> of that, I think. Yeah. But, um, but there is not a there is one maybe two <laughs> ways of doing this, which is the traditional way, the, the traditional design mm -hmm. uh, uh, element of traditional games. I suppose. Right. So I think. Maybe the hallmark of the more modern a game is, the more hippie style game it is, is how many different ways are there to skin a cat? Right. I mean, there's a lot, probably. Well, what can can you can you expand on that? Like, what is what are fewer ways to skin a cat as opposed to a lot of ways to skin a cat? Okay, this is a bad metaphor to use. Okay, but. Uh, I didn't choose the metaphor. Yeah. That's why I'm I, I was I was I was choosing a cliche uh, to, to hang this on, and and now well, you want me to keep talking. This is well, weird. okay. Regardless, <laughs> I would say, what exactly do you mean on, on that? Yeah. Okay. So, if I want to run across the room and stab a guy in D and D, hmm. the dungeon master might ask me to make some kind of an athletics or an acrobatics role to get across the room and then make my attack, which will almost always be strength-based unless I'm using a finesse weapon and then I can use a dex-based attack. Do you have to roll to make a move action? Not usually. No, it depends on... Sorry, usually, I'm, no. I'm no. being a bitch. It's fine. No, it, it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question. You, and the you reason I bring this up... You keep accurate time Yes, records, you do. <laughs> or it's meaningless. It's a legitimate question because I bring up this specific example Yeah. because it is an example specifically listed in White Wolf uh, 20th Anniversary Edition for how many actions you can take on a turn. If it's if your if your path is is free and clear, no, there's no role required, right? But if there's a whole bunch of things in your way, other people maybe, um, then you may need to weave between these obstacles in order to get to your your object, and for that. In D and D, it might be an athletics or an acrobatics role, depending on how you sure. want to do it. Whether you bull rushing or are you nimbly, you know, parkouring your way through. In in White Wolf, there are specific rules as to how many actions you can take, and you might have a a, a die penalty or a difficulty increase for each additional thing that you're trying to do on your turn. Okay. In part in part by the apocalypse, let's take 
masks, for instance. Yeah. Right? Because we've all played it. We all know it. Um, even me. Um, I, uh, you're, you're running masks, right? Okay. I say, I want to run across this crowded room and stab that guy. Right. What? what? Well, that, that sounds like a prowess roll to me. Mm-hmm. A prowess roll. Okay. Um, By the way, anyone who does actually play a lot of masks, if I have the wrong uh, <laughs> I apologize. I played it once and it was also with a Kurt. So wh- while I do have some familiarity... But I, don't, I don't know exactly. It wasn't this card. It was. It was? I oh, think, that, I think you want to directly engage a threat would be the thing for that. Directly one. engage right. a threat. Okay. Uh, so that's the... the apologies. The, uh, the, uh, uh, the move mm-hmm. that you would take, right? That's, that's the language of... It's been a while since i played PPTF. Yes. Um, that's the move you would take, is you would directly engage a threat. Yeah. Well, now I can sort of... Okay, the way I'm going to do this is... just And I describe it, and now I can possibly bullshit my way through any of the five stats to well, explain no, how I'm going to do this. No, because directly engage a threat is specifically linked with a stat. With a stat. Oh, is it? Okay. So it, the way the PBTA works generally is you have your set of moves and each move is specifically linked to a stat. Okay. So when you're directly engaging a threat, you're going to use a specific stat. When you are comforting and supporting, like continuing with the masks move, you're going to roll that specific stat. Okay. Um, there are a couple exceptions. Um, there are some uh, uh, passions de las passiones, um, which I totally say wrong. I apologize. Um, <laughs> uh, has some where you can add pluses based on specific conditions. Okay. And I totally just stole that for one of the moves in Starscape. No, no, no. Oh, it's an homage. 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 I'm homaging <laughs> to it. Um, but for the most... Is that legal in this state? <laughs> I'm homaging. Homaging. <laughs> for those of you listening, we're all voguing. Or some bullshit version. Yeah. <laughs> Very bad. But basically, yeah. So the moves are still linked with stats in the way that more traditional move, uh, traditional okay. things would be. So you would actually, if I was running masks or whatever, I would just say, okay, you run across the the thing. Uh, you know, tell, uh, sometimes I'd actually have you roll right then. Okay, mm-hmm. roll. And then based on what your outcome was, whether it was a failure, a partial success, or a full success, then I'd say, okay, tell me what happens after that. Okay. So then it's like, oh, okay, so I got a partial success. I run across the room, but like, you know, and I, and I, I just, I'm so upset and I'm like, I'm going to say you're like a super Superman kid type character. You know, I punch him and I'm so upset that I, I hit him. I succeed in hitting him, but I also like when I land, I slam into the wall behind him or, or as the GM, you know, I can say, okay, you, you jump or the, the other way you could do that. I was like, okay, describe to me what you do. You're like, okay, I run across and I hit him. I'm like, okay, great. You rolled an eight. So it's a partial success. So you hit him. But you like drastically overpowered hit him and you actually slam into the wall behind him and that makes the room unstable and the wall's gone now behind him. And so you hit him, good job, you got the point, you know, he took the hit points, but now the room is unstable and everyone is might is in more danger. Okay. So that type of thing. So so Kurt, if I'm understanding what what you were getting here to is that in a more traditional game, there is one way to do a thing. You've got movement, you've got attack, you've got these dice rolls and you felt that in like a for example a pbta game you could con your way into using any of the stats in order to to do the same thing and that's like a difference for you even even though even though kimmy is now yeah i'm 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 (laughs) i'm realizing that i 
might have been wrong. That's okay. I'm just like, I know I, I really, I am hard on that. There are, this there, is just because like... There are certain people watching there. <laughs> but honestly, like I've just been in like the deep dive of like rewriting my PBTA design right now. So like I literally like have been looking at PBTA moves like all week for many hours. So I, I might have... I may have pushed a little bit of that like late night trauma onto. I apologize, Kurt. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I would much rather be right than proud. So I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with being told, no, Kurt, you're wrong. Here's why. Yeah. Um, now there are. I mean, there are, are exceptions. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I may have picked a too finite an example. Well, PBTA is not necessarily a great example. I think there are probably games out there. Um, that do let you kind of like, okay, tell me how you do that. And you can kind of pick different things. I've seen it more with skills in okay. games where like, okay, you roll a stat and then you can add a skill. If you can convince me what, or, or part of your knowledge base or an add on to it. Um, but I can't think of one that completely, I mean, other than like fate, which fate is completely out the, <laughs> yeah. out in left field for me. I have a hard time playing and running fate because it's just a little too loose for I don't me know that i could try running it i enjoy playing it, it yeah I, i've i've just barely started to grok from a player perspective yeah so so is another angle to look at this based on the tools that you use in order to play the game i mean like, so like many i would well but i would say that like dice we probably consider to be traditional but a game that only used a deck of cards as their mechanic like mm -hmm. the our talsorian game stuff um or a game that uses no randomizer at all, like Amber Dice. Amber, yeah. Um, or even like Quest, which only uses a single D20 and everything is like powered, not. It's like talent li trees. Listed on these cards, yeah. Like, yeah. like a talent tree. Uh, was... Like, do those, do are those traditional or are those non traditional because they use a different mechanic? Or is it, or is it really like the flavor of how the rules are structured to do a thing? I think the, I think like the, the randomizer they, they use is too broad a thing. I don't think you can like, I don't think you can say something is traditional or, or not traditional um, based on that alone. Cause there are only so many randomizers you can use. I mean, at a tabletop game, like <laughs> if, you, if you're on the internet, then I guess there's a lot of, a lot more options or things like that. I should have, that gets me thinking like, what other randomizers could you use? Champions LARP used to use, Tyler King told me about this one. The stopwatch. The stopwatch as a yeah. randomizer. Yeah. And you compare who got the higher hundredth of a second. Wow. So it, it would be, it, it would essentially, you know, you both click and then count to three and click. And whoever got the higher hundredth of a second won the, or, you know, it was essentially, that was the, the randomizer. Wow. And then you would apply uh, uh, modifiers if, appropriate interesting but, um but i mean like uh um the mind's eye theater uses um uh, rock paper scissors yeah for its randomizer i'm just like thinking i'm like is that random or like hand-eye coordination with like stopwatches like i it's what to the hundredth it, of a second to probably. the hundredth of a second it, yeah yeah <laughs> i was wondering about that too like could you just train yourself to be like beep beep well, some people automatically have a little bit faster reaction time yeah right like but but I think because it's a hundredth of a second yeah. and not the not tenth. the oh I'm sorry tenth of a second no it, it, they use the hundredth of a second it's, it doesn't go by the tenth of a second yeah. oh right okay but right in any case I was like if it was at the second level oh, I could, wait, 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 I could no, see that no. because that's that actually does matter when when you hit it but yeah. at the hundredths of a second that's not I would be really impressed if someone consistently got higher than anyone else because 
the second doesn't matter. So if I roll over to another second, but my hundredths of a second is higher. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and I've I've seen and played games where the randomizer was you drew uh, beads out of a bag. Beads yeah. were all the all the felt the same. They're all the same shape, but mm -hmm. they had different colors. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool, like some sort of rune based game yeah okay i need to stop like writing games on, during the friday TM, TM, TM. Yeah. Give me, give me golden lasso's next product is a viking based game with a <laughs> a rune draw uh randomizer I feel like I could... you heard it here first yeah <laughs> i feel like this is like the third game idea i've gotten in the friday show yeah oh, all right well, third? No. yeah <laughs> and i'm sort of noodling with one where you use dominoes face down dominoes to simulate dice uh as that i love that yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've decided that you cannot specifically. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, I feel th like this is my, this is my issue actually from the beginning. I was willing to, to enter into the discussion on an academic standpoint, but realistically, my opinion is these labels don't matter. I they... mean, having a very specific definition, I guess, doesn't matter, but it's interesting because it's one of those things that like, if you say a traditional game, most of us get the same basic the idea vibe. yeah it's like it's like when you're like monet almost everybody can be like oh, okay i've got a picture I, I get an impression of the idea yeah, yeah. i get the, it. the uh, i took art history classes yeah so <laughs> most of us can think of like one picture or like a few pictures and my mom could think of all the pictures because she's you know a lady who loves Monet. and it's like you got an idea you're in you're in the I've wheelhouse <laughs> But you, you, you know what I mean? You're, you, we all kind of get in the same wheelhouse. We all kind of know about where we're at. And like, if we start like narrowing down this game, that game, this game, that game, we might yeah. disagree a bit. Yeah. But I think it's still like pretty obvious when it's like. So eh. we come back to my initial comment: is it, it's like pornography. You know it when you, you see know it. Yeah, exactly. I I think that obviously things have changed and things are like my personal opinion is that things games that we would no longer consider to be alternative, but were groundbreaking and alternative at their time were the games that started to incorporate disadvantages. Yeah. Um, like, like to me, that's sort of the first proto alternative game um, because you look at games before that, like Dungeons and Dragons or the Palladium system where there was no, there, there was no downside involved unless you wanted to play that characteristic mm -hmm. um, so, that I can think of. So specifically because if you rolled your stats for shit in first edition D and D, there were disadvantages to having to being required to roll at a negative two dice modifier, but narrative disadvantages that had a mechanical effect. Is that things like the 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 the, 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 so, the so merits assuming, and flaws system? The, the, the right. Assuming uh, everyone, assuming everyone had, you're right. Rolling randomly does create some disparity, but you're not. Besides the fact that the numbers are bad, mm -hmm. you aren't inherently penalized and there's no role. It doesn't encourage any change of how you play the character other than that they're bad at a thing. Okay. Whereas a game system that allows you to take a flaw or a hindrance or whatever it's called in your particular system mm -hmm. does encourage you to, and gives your game master ammunition to be able to make your life more complicated and more difficult. And it does inform your gameplay. I think a lot more than games where you don't have to have any disadvantage. Like for example, I can run around in dungeons and dragons and we can say that my character has one arm and there's nothing in the rules that says I can't have the same AC 
and that I can't hit people with a sword or, you know, even get one chopped off mid game. Uh, Whereas that was a specific flaw in Vampire, I remember, right. of having one arm. Right. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, like it's a significant. It reminds you, you that you can't that do it this, 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 and this. Yeah. Right. I think it was a six point flaw. Why it wasn't seven, I don't know. Anyway, I, I think that what I think that what we've all come down to and come around back to is you'll know it when you see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that basically if you disagree with us, write in an email. Yes, yes absolutely. So do we want to go into the second part of the I question? Think that's we probably, probably should I do. All right. So where Kenny uh, gets a promotion. Yeah. Correct. I get it. Well, no, no, no. Not the second question in this same email. Oh, 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 oh. Second with games that are in uh, integrating characters characterization into their mechanics which ones do you feel work best so far i think okay we are fans of pbtax that that is a thing that we are you are <laughs> you are fans of pbta hacks yes i'm i think if we very took a neutral poll of, of all the heavy jacks uh hosts that uh that i think we would be the appropriate <laughs> yeah no, it, yes <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it's in also, general. We were yeah. Savage Worlds for a while, yeah, and like we we kind of follow the new hotness. Like I'll admit that we're a little bit like, yeah, we like that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I do appreciate the characterization elements that most of the PBTA games do bring into character creation, uh, but I, I I gotta say I think Traveler does it best. Honestly. Traveler does character creation best. But I kind of agree with Nick from what he was saying earlier. Like, it doesn't then tie those things in again. You don't get rewarded for being that character or doing okay. using All that right. character bit. Like, I feel like... Okay. All right. I see your It point. has to be in the mechanics ongoing. Right. I, I totally agree with you with character creation. Like, I love Traveler character creation so much. But, you know, there are... PBTA just being kind of the, the example that's on our mind since we specifically just talked about it. Um, there are ongoing mechanical benefits to continuing with your character, like including like, Hey, when you do this, you get an experience point, you know, when you blow up, you know, yeah. whatever well, game the, it is. The, the concept in those games of threads or strings or hooks or whatever they're mm -hmm. called in that particular game, enforce those decisions that, that, were created in the initial uh, creation of of the characters in the group mm -hmm. because they do give you a mechanical benefit and and you're not penalized if you don't use them but you are encouraged to do so because they give you an advantage in in those items so mm -hmm. i think that those reward that style of play yeah. I, I i will admit i am at a disadvantage here because <laughs> i have only ever played in one pbta campaign mm -hmm. i've played in one shots but you don't get character growth in one shots. Yeah. Um, and uh, the only uh, PBTA hack that I've ever played the campaign in was Threadbare. Mm. Uh -huh. And Threadbare, I I swear, it, it's so appropriate that it's a toy-based game because I swear to God it's designed around um, planned obsolescence. Hmm. The longer you play that game, the less effective your character becomes. Interesting. Yeah. So I I have a a a, a uh, an unfairly biased opinion on that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that said, I have played and run a 
whole lot of vampire. Mm -hmm. And um, I like the fact that playing up your character's nature in the case of Vampire or I, the the newer, in, in the case of Vampire the Masquerade or in the more recent versions, the uh, Virtue Vice mechanic where it's both sides. Uh, and the hunger you, mechanic. And the hunger mechanic too. Um, I, I, uh, those all, I think, really help to inform and enforce character gameplay and uh, f where, where the R-O-L-E meets the R-O-L-L. Um, so I haven't actually played V5. Oh, okay. But from what I've seen, it does a really good job of it. Yeah. I like, there are a lot of things that I like better in uh, 20th Anniversary Edition, but the hunger mechanic is the one thing. I think if I was going to run a vampire campaign, I'd do it in 20th Anniversary Edition and steal the hunger mechanic. Same. Yes. I have, uh, <laughs> yes, 100%. Yes, I would exactly do the same thing. Yeah, because I wouldn't use their special dice. No, but I would use hunger, like hunger dice. Yeah. Yes, I would absolutely do that. Yeah, I, and well, I think it, I think that's a great addition. Yeah. to the mechanics and the setting, both. Yeah, and the hunger mechanic forces you to kind of uh... evaluate your decisions. <laughs> well, and also just <laughs> like it enforces that you are a monster. Yeah. Like, a lot of times, vampire campaigns end up being, we're superheroes who like the dark, and yeah. sometimes are sexy times. Yeah, yeah. Like... So this is actually one of the reasons why I would love to see... I haven't seen it yet, but I, I want to see what they do with their other properties. Mm -hmm. And I, ha I just haven't gotten a chance to look at what they do with Mage. What they do... Because Mage has... The, the, the uh, Mage, the Ascension, mm -hmm. which was the the temporal equivalent to Ma uh, Vampire the Masquerade um, had a wonderful it still had the, the nature demeanor mechanic mm -hmm. but it also had the paradox mechanic mm. where your magic could be either coincidental or vulgar depending on what you were trying oh to my. do. Those are the terms. Yeah. It's are you are you <laughs> casting spells in such a way that a normal person might confuse that for just a normal run-of-the-mill thing mm. right are you casting fireball but you're doing it through a shotgun mm -hmm. the example that i always heard was was you cast fireball but you make it be like a gas line exploded yes mm -hmm. that you you make it look like that it so it is coincidental right so but that... the more vulgar your magic the more risk you have of taking on paradox mm -hmm. and like if i just shoot lightning bolts out of my hand that's right. not something you that can just happen and if you do it in front but if you do it in front of people who understand what magic is it's no not problem. as vulgar if you do it in front of sleepers right right so the and you can only take on so much paradox before reality reasserts itself and rips and your avatar you. into shreds <laughs> So honestly, um, it's why I always thought it was the most interesting of those types of games. And mm -hmm. sadly, I just had to turn down an opportunity to play in oh. one because I had another commitment. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I think that that again, that's another one of those where it it informs and enforces your okay. your uh, your play style through uh, mechanics and and characterization both and 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 the world. Like the yeah. world itself enforces that as well, right? Because the entire concept in in Mage was that you believe strongly enough in what you're doing, so as to rewrite reality 
over what everybody else believes reality is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Consensus as to what reality is. And you just have to believe harder. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't. Yeah. I do think it's interesting. Like, and I like that this is linked with the, what is a traditional game question? Because there is definitely, as you look at like traditional games and the march away from that tends to be the addition of mechanics that enforce the role-playing part of like we were we were saying that but it's interesting when you really start like trying to name off games that really have mechanics that not only help you create a character but then sustain and enforce that character that you've created Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's a really hard thing to do yeah it's it's easy to get someone to create a cool character and it's easy to ask questions. You can write a whole game about just asking questions to create a character. But what would that, what would be, that like? be like? Yeah. Why? <laughs> but you know, it's a whole <laughs> But there's a whole other thing about like designing a game that then reinforces that on it on every, you know, as often Thank as possible. That's lovely. Thank you. Um, I'm the only blonde here. <laughs> He was holding up a deck in the deck. But um, anyway, I don't know. That's a really interesting question. I think I'd have to... There's a bunch of games that I haven't played yet. Like, I haven't played Blades in the Dark yet. I've read through it. There's a bunch know. that I've owned. That I owned um, there's oh, there's a, whole... a bunch of games I've owned that I own that I've never played. Right, but there's a... God, what is We've it? all got that. Nobody's played Numenera, so everybody bought the book. Nobody's no. played. <laughs> um, and the, there's a whole new... And that's my answer. Numenera doesn't dust. If I'm wrong, write in. <laughs> can't remember what there's a whole new kind of family of games that are another kind of offshoot from pbta that is um pbta (laughs) well it's something i thought it was the canadian version the pbta (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say pbta is what uh, avatar falls into yeah it's like belonging beyond believing or something believing beyond beyond. currently it's my brand that i trash that while on the show Uh, cold beer to the burned area. <laughs> oh, thank you. Blake Ryan in chat says, belonging outside belonging. There's a whole family of games that are okay. very into that. And those are, um, usually there's a GM-less option at least, or they're mostly GM-less, but they are kind of in the PBTA family. They were inspired by oh. PBTA. Um, I have not gotten to actually play one of those yet. I own a couple of them that I've purchased um, through the indie game stores. And stuff, they are but... powered by, powered by the apocalypse? <laughs> <laughs> They're like the, the, the descendants of powered by the okay. apocalypse. Okay. Uh, sort of like uh, Blades in the Dark. like Pow- that one's Powered sort of... by the renewal. Yes. <laughs> powered by the gradual rebuilding of civilization. <laughs> it's a little long. Yes. But... <laughs> All right. We should probably move on to our next email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we are an hour in. Oh, boy. Okay. You, Lightning round. You invited me. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> Uh, I hear all. Are you want to read this one? I will because it's a little weird for you to uh, hear okay. yourself that way. I think. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna, you okay. know, yeah, this I'm is just gonna make this is the thing. one where Kimmy gets a promotion. Yeah. Cheers, Corporal Kimmy and the Colonel. Cons- Colonel, I'm sorry. <laughs> Colonels. <laughs> Woo! I ain't even been drinking. You're the only one who uh, has. <laughs> cheers, Colonel Kimmy and the conscript- conscripted court of dice counting commando counselors. It's Sean from just outside of Washington, D.C. Hi, Sean. Hi. Better known as RU Jedi on the Discord. Sending more questions for the Happy Jacks email coffers. I'm actually sending you two emails because everyone is sending us two in this (laughs) invention. Both with questions uh, about the the behind-the-scenes wizardry that is game design, development, and deployment. So this is actually a perfect little segue since we were already starting to talk about that. So... 
the first of my three part. Oh, now it's three. <laughs> well, it's a three All part right. question in this email, and then he has another email. Ah, uh, okay. So, the, uh, so the my three part question in this email focuses on designing for inclusive gaming. First, if any of you have created games and game supplements, uh, we already did the Decima commercial, but we'll do a little reprise. We don't need to do that every time Decima is mentioned, my friends. No, we have to do that every time Decima is mentioned. By demigods. <laughs> uh, what steps have you taken to help make your products, especially the digital versions of those products, more widely accessible to gamers with various types of varying types of disabilities? Second, if you outsource any of this work, what type of work was it and who do you use? Third, do you have any lessons learned to share with the captive live show and podcast audience? I recognize that our illustrious and dynamic Happy Jacks crew have a varied array of game design experience from none to expert. So if any of the panel this week have not actually produced a game or game supplements of their own or for someone else, your thoughts are still very much valued if you've seen inclusive gaming design in action or have ideas we should be considering. With much appreciation for the game and the glory. Thank you all for what you've done, do, and continue to do for our community. All the best. Sean from just outside Washington, D.C. and RU Jedi on the Discord. P.S. Drink a person to the... Drink a toast. Drink a person to the toast on your lap. Woo! Woo! You smells toast? Yeah. It's something. It's not the alcohol. Drink a toast to the person on your left. Salute. Harvey. <laughs> Bookshelf, okay. Harvey's not a person, he's a rabbit. <laughs> Rabbits are people. Yeah, Puka, Puka are people. That's debatable. debatable. Uh, PPS. <laughs> Does Happy Jacks offer transcripts of the advice show or other live streams? These might be useful for people with hearing impairments. If not, but are interested, let me recommend the website otter.ai. That's otter like the animal. The period or dot and AI, not artificial intelligence, but but perhaps probably. artificial intelligence. Automated transcription. Oh, no. <laughs> inscription? Automated inscription. Uh, automated inscription. There it is. <laughs> transcription. Which, which I've used regularly for automated transcription. It's not perfect, although pretty darn good. So, uh, first of all, feels bad, man, because I don't think we do, do we? What? Oh, with the transcripts? Yeah. Uh, we do not right now. This has been something I've been looking at since I took over, because I mm -hmm. think it is really important. Um, I have looked at daughter, at otter.ai and a couple of the other ones. Unfortunately, they're at the point where you get a pretty good transcript, but there's still like a lot of eh in it. And especially when you're talking about something that has as like, specific a vocabulary as tabletop RPGs, they end up with like 70% accuracy. Which, yeah, it's not not we, super great. Do we have uh, um, closed captioning on our the YouTube videos? YouTube too. videos, yeah. And I I'm those looking... tend to be closer to ninety five to ninety eight percent. Yeah, those, so those even, are pretty even close. with jargon. Yeah, so those so. are pretty close. Um, I am looking, and so I am looking at you, like if you. There's just a lot of options I'm looking into because I do think it's important to do. Um, we have not done it yet, so I've looked at that. There's like five different programs that I'm currently on trial programs for. And every week I like, we'll have find it ready another for one. season 50. 
<laughs> but it, it, I do acknowledge that it's something that that we need to kind of find a solution Kurt for. Hammond does not speak for Happy Jacks. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> it's his first time in the actual news studio. Um, but anyway, uh, so thank you for the recommendation of Otter. I have absolutely looked into that. It's a really cool software program, which I actually will probably use moving forward for like note taking because you can link it up with Zoom and it automatically like yeah. transcribes stuff in Zoom, which is amazing. Mm. Yeah. Um, but again, like if you're actually providing a transcript for the hearing impaired, you want it to be more accurate than Otter is currently. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to, sorry, took a moment for the thoughts to marshal in my head. I have been bad about this in the past. Uh, and the past couple of years have really opened my eyes in the ways in which games and other activities are very ableist and are not very inclusive when to me that's a hallmark of the gaming community is that we want everyone to be able to enjoy this hobby and this pastime and that because of the nature of the game it makes it it should make it easier for people with disabilities in order to be able to participate just as fully as they could uh Sorry, I got away from myself here. Um, essentially, I'm calling myself out for not have doning, uh, not doing a good job with that, not actually even considering that to be an issue until recently. And I'm glad to see that there's a lot more consideration towards that, including things like, it's different, but I'm also including things like sensitivity in there as well uh, on there. And I think that it's a, both of those are places that, I think the community in general can get better at doing. Um, that being said, I don't have a lot of ideas or experience uh, doing anything like that. I uh, I haven't had any experience with doing it in tabletop. Mm -hmm. I have had to address um, uh, uh, this in LARP. Hmm. Um, we've had, I, I, have, I have a couple of uh, very good friends who have uh, LARPed for quite some time, and they uh, some of them have uh, cerebral palsy um, uh, and other mobility uh, rest uh, restrictions. Um, and, you know, accommodations had to be made and were to the best of the ability of the people who were involved at the time um, because we're not accessibility experts i happen to actually know an accessibility expert and i know that i'm not him <laughs> <laughs> um but uh and uh, you know it, it it did definitely it did definitely open my eyes as i started to really look into uh what because in my professional life um do, dealing with ada uh compliance. Issues, compliance uh considering uh you know when i worked for an architect and now i work in traffic where maintaining accessible routes for um uh, mobility challenge people is a big part of it i think um, actually it's it's saying disabled for is i understand yeah um i think it's important because a lot of people in the movement now believe that, that i understand yeah. i'm using the term specifically because while we do have certain um 
uh, accommodations for blind people. Mm -hmm. We don't really take that into effect for deaf people or um, uh, those are all mentally challenged. They're all, all disabled. I understand. Yeah. I'm saying I'm sp I'm being more specific. Got it. Okay. Right. Because um, most of our our issues are for blind and wheelchair. And and it's very specifically those two things. Right. ADA covers a lot more than that. Absolutely. I'm saying this is the only thing I have experience with. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, but yeah, uh, the, the the closest I've gotten with actually designing this kind of thing is trying to figure out how to strap a shield onto a crutch mm -hmm. um, for LARP uh, and uh, designing more inclusive characters as npcs in the games i run uh I, I similar to you i haven't really been uh i have i haven't actually designed anything well i haven't any designed any supplements like this i i run my own games but that's about it mm -hmm. so um but it is it is interesting to 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 deal with that at the on the larp side of role playing mm -hmm. where at the tabletop, people can really just pretend to be whoever they want to be. When you're physically acting it out, reality rears its ugly head in certain uh, aspects. Um, and having to address that, um, unfortunately, I, I'm not really coming up with any specific examples in my memory sorry but um well i think for larping specifically i know the game the question's more about tabletop but like making sure that you know the area you're at is accessible or as accessible as possible making sure you have um like facilities restrooms and things like that that are accessible to everyone who yeah. can participate um those things are are huge and that's something that we're trying to improve in the studio right now because my house isn't handicap accessible unfortunately so it's no. one of the things that we have a plan for that we're kind of saving money for um for fixing but you know my house was built in the 1930s so you know it's one of those things that while we you know when you're planning these things out especially if you're doing something where there's a larp and you have a little bit more say about hey we're gonna do it in this park or this park okay which one has you know access uh, you know accessible restrooms yeah. you know which one has a parking lot that is more accessible which one has you know actual ada compliant pathways mm -hmm. things like that renaissance fair had to work on that hard for a long yes. time because yes, there is. was a, a while where we were you know we i'm not in, at the rent for anymore but yeah, Renfair was not really ADA <laughs> compliant, so it had to make some big changes because it got started getting some complaints and stuff about it. So, well, and I've I've seen reading through um, some LARP material because mm -hmm. I was I have a friend who's trying to desperately get me uh, involved. Sure. Um, they did have they did have things where people who couldn't take like physical blows, there are rules yeah. in place for them to still be able to participate by having like a touch rule. So instead yeah. of whacking them with your foam sword you can you can still engage with them and just you know use a touch mechanic as opposed to a i'm gonna whack you mechanic yeah, <laughs> yeah well, the, the fortunate thing is that the larp that i was most involved with uh already had a light touch system so it wasn't a whack kind oh, of sure. thing mm -hmm. yeah it wasn't you know uh, uh but it, um you it know we, we did not have a call to light mm -hmm. right that, that didn't exist yeah so uh but we did have someone who you know who had a one uh, someone specific who if if she got hit in the head her retinas could detach at any second mm -hmm. so it was like oh 
okay, let's be real effing careful now uh, <laughs> about about getting anywhere near this person. Yeah, but, and... but on the other hand, everyone had to learn how to fight so everyone could know how to fight safely. Right, and that's a huge part of it is just having, um, as someone who has students with disabilities in my class, mm-hmm. um, disabled students, it's one of those things that they're that we're sw- trying to switch the language on so that we don't, mm-hmm. you know, person first language has been taught for so long it's a hard habit to break. I apologize. Um, uh, my my former <laughs> roommate worked with uh, uh, autistic and brain injured mm-hmm. uh, uh, kids, so uh, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, so uh, it's something that you have to, it's not just about providing um, like uh, uh, things for the people, uh, for the for the disabled. It is important that you also make sure that everyone around them who's working with them, interacting with them, playing the LARP with them, knows how to access those mechanics. So when you're designing a game, and this is something I've learned the hard way there. I thought I knew a lot about this through for from being a teacher. Um, but since I teach mostly general education students um, with uh, and, you know, I've never had a blind student mm-hmm. like I'm going to like it's just not something that yeah. is commonly is common in public school classrooms. So there was a lot of things that I had to kind of learn the hard way as I've learned as a game designer. Number one, I've learned play tests for a lot longer than you think you need to. Because once you get all the mechanics of your game worked out, that's when people start giving you the feedback on the accessibility of your game. And I playtested Decima for almost three years. And it wasn't until the very end of it, people started giving me feedback on, hey, this is really hard. You've, you've got these you know, three sets of cards that are all based on colors. Uh, I'm colorblind. I can't tell which ones to pick. And I was like, that's a really obvious thing that I didn't think of. So then we put symbols on the back too. So you can still play without knowing what colors they are. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and or things you like- change the, the, the hue or saturation. Instead of changing the hue, you change the saturation. So yeah. that it's- Symbols are even easier though. Symbols are easier, yeah. yes. <laughs> symbols are super simple um, and it makes it really, really it, clear. It also improves accessibility for sighted people. Exactly. Or, is that correct? Yes. I don't want to be- That's fine. Yes. That um, correct. If you're in, say, a low light setting and it's mm-hmm. hard to tell the difference between purple and, and red. Yep. Sun, like, moon, oh, we go. and sun star moon cards. Star. Yep, yes, exactly. exactly. Right. So, and that was based on like direct feedback. So, the first thing you need to do, like, like play test your game, ask for specific feedback on that, and hire um, people to give you feedback on it. Personally, I hired um, his name's Jacob Wood, and he runs the Accessible Accessible Gaming Quarterly, which I think it's still being produced. He does a Kickstarter every like, quarterly, every four times a year. <laughs> All right, look at me. Um, She's a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> so um, and yeah, he went through and looked at my PDFs, made sure because we designed the the Decima PDFs to work well on readers. Mm-hmm. And he specifically went through on like a couple of them and made sure it read correctly. Mm. Um, so that's something that you need to do because just making a PDF does not mean that it will automatically be read correctly by the by the the digital readers. Right. We've all seen bad scans. Yeah, exactly. So or or where they just read through and then they're reading the foot the footer oh yeah or the the page number as in the middle of the sentence right right so all of that is stuff that you you know you need to pay professionals for um absolutely pay people don't don't 
Don't get free labor out of people that you know or have a relationship with. If you're asking for professional work to be done on your products, then you need to pay professionals to do that work. Absolutely. You will also probably get better product. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of layout things in more traditional books, too. One of the things that I'm starting to look at for Starscape is, you know, how a character sheet is laid out. Yeah. How much has like tiny little text? What can you replace the text with with a symbol? Yeah. Like if I do strength, if I have a flexing arm, like is that is that clear that that's strength? So that you know people with dyslexia or something like that might be able to to like go through it more quickly and not constantly have to be rereading things. There's a a board game example, mm -hmm. um, uh, which has a tie in to role playing games because mm -hmm. the game is Lords of Waterdeep. It is some of the best industrial design I have ever seen mm -hmm. in a board game. There is so much information that has to be conveyed on these cards. And it is done so elegantly with symbols mm -hmm. and with white on black or black on white text. Yep. And with, uh, which which works regardless of, of colorblindness because mm -hmm. high contrast. Um and uh, I mean, even to the point where I mean, there's 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 all of these cards that are needed in so many games that have cards, and it has a you know a molded thing that you you keep all the stuff in, right? Mm -hmm. A molded plastic thing that you keep all the stuff in. And they actually thought it out to the point where instead of putting the little finger holes so you can reach in and grab the card, they made the bottom of the the mold like this. Oh. So you push on one end of the deck, and the other end pops up, and you take the whole deck oh, that's, out. That's that's. Brilliant! Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. So it's like so, a little teeter totter thing in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's 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 rounded, but yeah. yeah. The but it's, well, the it's people like, can't see. Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sine wave. Yeah, <laughs> it's a sine wave at the bottom of the of the of the. Sorry, I forget that some people For a listen. Podcast. On the, right, exactly. Sorry. Um. Uh. But yeah. So I mean, this is this is a a very fine example mm -hmm. of of conveying a whole lot of information using various visual tricks, yeah. visual techniques that, and, and, um, and also just being like, how do I get the damn cards out of this molded plastic? Oh, push. Yeah. That's Thank you very much. And that's, that's, something, that's something that makes it better for everyone. Like, exactly. I've, yes. I've got big fingers because I'm a big guy. And mm -hmm. sometimes those holes don't work for me. And that's like, have, well, I'm going to grab a pencil. I and have standard size fingers and it's hard for me. Yeah. To right. Yeah. Um, just the layout of the book, breaking up large sections of text. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of, uh, Newer games are better at this, like having important information in little like floating boxes oh, yeah, and yeah. stuff like sidebars. that. Yeah, sidebars, highlighted things. Um, you know, sidebars are great. Yeah, like all that stuff is really, really helpful um, for people with dyslexia, for people like who just have neurodiverse uh, neurodiversity, because it's hard for us to like just read through huge pages of text and remember any of it. One, one, one thing. One quick note about sidebars. Sidebars should stay on one page. Speaking, oh, yeah. Specifically oh. thinking of the Wild Talents book, where they have sidebars Bar that go for three pages. Our groups does that, too. Where yeah. they'll start where it's a sidebar like, on one page, and that's like, so now, flip it now, over. Now, now, three, yeah, now you sidebar. essentially have two-column page, uh -huh. but one column is not doesn't lead into the other. They, you have to flip the page to get the continuation yeah. of both of them. Those are awful. That doesn't ideas. bother me. I've never noticed that. Oh, um, oh no, that that I mean, 
That makes sense. Oh like God. now that I think now that I, now that you brought it to my attention, page. I think I'll probably look and be like, "Oh, this is the most annoying thing that's ever happened." Well, and like if you're just trying to read the sidebar, and then like I'm reading the main text, and it refers me to the sidebar, so I start reading the sidebar, and then the sidebar is continued on another page, so I have to read that, and then flip back to the first page, continue on the find next my place. That is annoying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. no good for anybody. I don't. I think it's because maybe I just don't follow directions well. So when it's oh, like well, refer go. to the sidebar here, I'm like, no, I'm fucking keep your answer. Okay, now I'll read the sidebar. <laughs> But you still have to little flip baby back. Timmy was like, "Fuck your lines," <laughs> lit a cigarette. Yeah, <laughs> I'm an asthmatic. Why did I do this? Asthmatic? I thought you were French. <laughs> um, one one thing that I do want to get back to just briefly. We sort of briefly talked about how in a game you can be anyone, anything, mm-hmm. whatever. One of the problems and one of the challenges I think has has been revealed to. Uh, has been revealed to to abled people, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. is yep. um, people don't necessarily want to be abled. That Absolutely. isn't that isn't their fantasy. They they want to be they want to participate in a world the way that they are, mm-hmm. and have that representation. Yeah. And I do want to make a shout out uh, to Sean specifically. I know I haven't been a great font of information here, but if you're not already there is a big, big, big overlap between um, disabled communities and RPG on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And you can absolutely find people who are doing uh, work, putting out ideas, and trying to make things um, better. The one that immediately springs to mind is at Mustang Art. And they are making, uh, they're, they're the creator of the Dungeons and Dragons combat wheel. I was wondering. Yeah. 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 On, on there, which I've been following and is a fantastic product. I incorporated that into my game for an NPC. I, I think it's I think it's amazing. Um and and just more things like that can be out there. I know there are lots of other contributors and creators uh who are on there, but you'll you'll find a very big overlap between those two communities if you look for it. Yeah. Absolutely. A, a, a quick a quick point to those of you who don't have regular contact with any disabled people. Um, but you want to incorporate this kind of thing into your game. No two disabilities are exactly alike. Um, well, I think the question is, I, want to, I don't want us to give two off point because we could give tons of advice about incorporating NPCs and stuff like that. Well... Okay. But I think the question is very specifically about design elements. So I want us... Uh, we, we're already okay. running it almost an hour and a half. Okay, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> I appreciate you, Kurt, and I know you have great insight into that, so you have to come back, and we'll make sure we talk about that another time. But I want us to kind of stay on point yeah. on this. No, because, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because I think it's an important distinction because you're, yes, representation and accessibility... Two different things. Yes. While they are very like linked in many ways, that is a difference there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... I agree. Yeah. Um, and... Can't believe I hadn't said it yet, but you are a font of information. Uh, it's really important to pick good fonts when you're making your TTRPG. <laughs> like, like I, it was one of the things I met. Like I've been thinking all day. I'm like, okay, when we do this email, like I need to mention this um, now. <laughs> and and font and font size is incredibly important. Um, and there are some fonts out there that claim to be like dyslexic fonts. There's been a lot of study on that, so whether it works or not is still... Some people who have dyslexia think that, yes, they really help. Some people don't. The science is still out on it. In yeah. actual scientific tests, it's 
has not been proven that it is actually any easier for people with dyslexia to read. Yeah. Um, but if it, you know, it's, there are fonts that are easier for the, them to read. It is definitely important to look into that and do research into that before you publish your game. Um, there are a myriad of a stunning, very intricate, you know, kind of uh, tarot-inspired fonts out there in the world that I did decided not to use any of them because it would have made Decima impossible to read for a lot of people. Yeah. As cool and, like, thematic as it would have been, the better choice was to make it accessible so people could actually play it. Yeah, for, for your horror game, don't use any of those splatter fonts no. or, yeah. no. or horror fonts or whatever. No. Yeah, so... And, and, yeah. And, and when you're putting anything, uh, any kind of... Uh, uh, page art mm-hmm. make sure that your text is still high contrast against whatever is in the background on the page mm-hmm. oh yeah it was one of the my biggest problems with vampire the requiem book is that it had black text on a dark red background oh that's <laughs> like, yeah who, who what they did not hire I, a an accessibility they didn't hire an editor no because <laughs> <laughs> i mean oh. i i have fairly decent i mean i wear contacts mm-hmm. but i i have relatively decent eyesight i don't have dyslexia i'm fairly neurotypical and i can't read the bloody thing yeah um yeah it's wild so i i know we're gonna move on to the to well the i think we're, i think email. we're not oh okay we're not okay nope because we are at an hour and almost an hour and a half but what about all of our fans who wanted longer longer content longer like shows. the good old days well i love them but uh my daughter got invited to a birthday party in the morning and i have to go buy uh, a, a present for a two-year-old okay. at target and then, they close at 10. then i just have one <laughs> last thing i want to say uh-huh. i wasn't going to bring up the the uh the whole issue with with what what you use in order to convey the information thing because i always thought absence makes the heart grow fonter oh. <laughs> good night everyone all right <laughs> so yeah we're gonna do two emails here. we'll save this one for next week <laughs> Uh, all right. I'm more upset that I didn't think of it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, you are. Totally. Um, yeah, and, oh, yeah, Erica and Odd, a specific thing to look for in your font is uh, Bs and Ds and Ps and Qs. Yes, yeah. And so making sure that there are little, like, hooks and loop loos and I know that there's a specific name for them, and I don't know what it is. Descenders, Ascenders, and Seraphs. Yeah, those Seraphs. Serif is the word I was thinking of. Uh, serif fonts are generally a little bit help, uh, easier. And a little I don't know. Bit. I find those angels just kind of hard to notice when they're in the little positions. Yeah. All right. um, but you I'm, have such a cherubic face. Yes. <laughs> I will say, honestly, my, my dyslexia comes up most often in P's and B's. Yeah. They just basically occupy the exact same space in my brain mm-hmm. yeah and that like i absolutely have to drill down probably is the worst word ever <laughs> probably <laughs> yep all right uh that was our show thank you so much i can't get over that you just did that on the phone <laughs> i am such a font geek i yeah. could go on forever but i'm not even gonna start i know uh I'm not going to start. I'm just so glad that you you were earlier a font of information. It was just like so perfect. I was like, that's the thing. That was the most important thing I was going to talk about. This is why I should take notes before the show, but whatever. All right. That's because I gave you a cue with a little squiggle. Ah, which is the thing I just remembered. On that descender line. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us for season 30, episode 16. Uh, thank you to our chat mod, James V, and our amazing Woo! Patreon. Woo-hoo! who keep us ad-free and independent. Yes. My name is Kimmy. You can find me at Golden Lasso Girl or anytime you at Happy Jacks. That's me too. So have at. 
And eunuch. oh, I guess I'm going. You're no, next. Yes. Never say eunuch. <laughs> not not that. Uh, you next. You, you next. next. Or yes, you that's fine. space Nick. Hey everyone, I'm Nick. Uh, you can see me here also uh, on the occasional uh, the, the advice show. That's what this thing is called. Yeah. And also on Saturdays, I will be participating in the Happy Jacks uh, cast offs uh, RPG, the quest RPG that we're playing on Saturday nights. Yeah, I forgot to say, I'm on the Wednesday night show that is the Hexbreakers, which is a kids on bikes RPG. And I forgot. So, all right. And hi, and I'm Kurt. Uh, and uh, I'm not on any of our current uh, actual play streams, and I'm very rarely on this stream, and you can't find me on Twitter because I'm not there. Uh, but you can find me. Plug. Go. Plug. Go. You can find me and the rest of my band, Sportive Tricks, at Hennessy's Grill in Seal Beach on August 20th. Ooh. We're going to be playing there again. Uh, and I say again because uh, apparently we uh, our, our fans made uh, quite an impression when we were playing there last month and they want us back. So thank you all of you who showed up. <laughs> An impression on their alcohol supplies? Oh, very much so, yes, That's exactly right. Like that. And on their uh, waitress's tips, uh, so, um, which is excellent. good. Um, and, uh, and, and the fortunate thing about that is that hopefully now we can get into other Hennessy's locations as well. Excellent. Nothing's definite yet, but right. we're... <laughs> that's very exciting. Oh so yeah, August 20th, that's a Saturday. We'll downbeat at 8, playing till 11 in Seal Beach, California. Awesome. All right, and we're going to leave you with a song from Sport of Tricks tonight. So we're going to be playing Time Flies When You're Having Rum, which is actually written by Kurt. So very written nice Written by uh, me and uh, Jeremy Lamontia. He wrote the music. Ah, got it. Very good. And you can find them at sportivetricks.com. So thank you all. We will see you next week. Also at sportivetricks on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Can we go? Are we done? Okay, now we're done. Okay, goodbye. goodbye. And wait. Wait, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. God God damn it. <laughs> Woke up late for work today, had just gone to bed. The bells and drums keep echoing around inside my head. Last night I tied one on, or was it two nights ago? It seems I can't remember just how far did I go. It must have been on Friday night I met the lads somehow. Shots were lined up on the bar, beers were handed round. Tom was there and Tammy, I won the nominee. No special occasion, just the end of the week. No Jose, no Jaeger, no Jameson, please. But pour me the Kraken or Sailor Jerry's. Bacardi and Malibu, dark gold and white. Then pour me in a cab at the end of the night. The sun cracks the window as you slumber, I succumb. Time flies when you're having Daiquiri for Dominique, mojitos for Tom. Sammy ordered for herself a refreshing cherry bomb. A hurricane for Tyrone with a splash of peach. And needy and thirsty, I had one of each. No Jose, no Jaeger, no Jameson's please. But pour me the Kraken or Sailor Jerry's. The party in Malibu, dark roller white. And pour me in a cab at the end of the night. Sun cracks the window as we slumber, I succumb. Time flies when you're having fun. The events of the weekend are mostly a blur. Cause those who stop and bars close are strictly amateur. Remember, 
To the week that I forgot. No Jose, no Jaeger, no Jameson's please. But for me, the Kraken or Sailor Jerry's. But Cardi and Malibu dark over white. Then for me in a cab at the end of the night. The sun cracks the window as you slumber, I succumb. This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.